Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you might be. I am Nicole BC, and you, you have know everything. everything. So welcome, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you might be in the world. This is the Relatables series. And I don't think I told you this, Brandy, but I have a feeling this is going to be my first interview of my third season, which is really exciting. That is exciting. And I am so excited. The reason that this is going to be my first Relatables interview of the third season is because you are also my first repeat guest. Oh, I'm so honored. Me too. I am super duper honored. I found, well, I find everything you do so inspirational and so relatable. But our last interview was at the very beginning of an incredible leap of faith, a Mm -hmm. courageous creative journey. And I said we would catch up in a year. It's been 18 months. I like to be very accountable to timelines, (laughs) but both you and I have had had a really interesting... Yeah, it's been epic. And I and I think that this episode is going to be even more relatable because most unfortunately, yet most predictably, the creative journey is not unfraught. Is that a real word? It's not an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> and leaps of faith don't necessarily always land on your feet. Sometimes it's more of a mm-hmm. splat. <laughs> there's quite a big mess to clean up as a result. So as a former guest of the show, as a creative, as a, I don't want to say survivor, because that almost suggests like there was a victim at some point, but as a person who is here standing and speaking with me, I cannot wait to revisit your love and the space between things. I remember in the last episode, we, we talked a little bit about your day job, which kind of summed up as a connector, someone who Mm -hmm. seeks and invests in connection, the Mm -hmm. intersections and paradoxes. That's also probably something our listeners can relate to as well. You are a writer and a podcast host, all under the name This Plus That. And I cannot recommend this highly enough. I don't actually get to say this about everybody that I interview, but I am kind of a secret stalker. And currently, it was interesting because I've been like completely out of the loop for a lot of different reasons, but I listened, I'm, I'm usually like about a year behind with most people's podcasts and I don't, I don't do this. Some people always have to start at the beginning. I just kind of start with what's interesting. And so all of a sudden I realized like you hadn't put out a podcast episode in a while. So it mm-hmm. is on an extended break as you are sorting through some of your health issues and grief and I don't know, coming back from coping with allowing the derailment of plans and expectations. And that's what we're going to get into today. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for making the time. I've been looking forward to this chat for months, like in April is what I really is what I wanted to circle back. And here we are in August for anybody listening. It is August, yeah. 2023. It's <laughs> a wild out, time to be alive. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> so let's get the awkward question out of the way. It's been a minute since you put out an episode and we were talking about your own creative journey in the last episode that we did. So something you had challenged yourself with was, would you stick with it? And I'm curious with an extended pause in, in motion, are you sticking with it? Nicole, I feel like if I could answer that question, I would solve just a lot of internal processing that I'm very tired of doing. Yeah, I think I think the short answer is I just plainly do not know. Perfect. Um, I, th- I think that the essence of what I do with this plus that is the core of who I am in the world. Like I think I'm doing that every day in different ways, but whether or not that will continue to be the container I do it in and the way that I do it is a, an entirely different endeavor. And... Yeah, it's so I I laughed when you said, you know, you challenge yourself as to whether or not you would keep doing it. And I mean, I've just been thinking while you've been sort of introducing me that, you know, I I like to laugh because I think that like the spiritual joke, right, is that like when you make yourself a student of paradox and complexity and the in-betweens and transition periods and transmutation and all the trans things like the, the, I don't, I don't identify as trans, but I mean the like any act that's transitory that 
the universe is sort of like, great, we're going to give you a lifetime of in-betweens. Like there is no, and I think that's really the state of the universe, right? Is just transitory. So it's really more just like a lesson and there is no black or white here or there. I'm, I'm a process living in amongst processes. Like there is no singular event, right? So I think we have a tendency to look at what's happened to me and I've had a hard time not looking at it as failure to not return to this thing that, you know, I think in a creative life, the thing that was really hard for me or one of the biggest things was that, yeah, I, I was never sure if I wanted to go back to it. And it felt like, you know, in all of the episodes I, or many of the episodes, I talk about how I had finally found like this purpose, this like, you know, this thing that had felt so elusive for 40 years of my life. And then, uh, you know, I have this sort of conversation that echoes in my head with my friend Jonathan after I stopped for a while where I was like, what happens when you feel like you find your purpose and then you can't do it anymore? And there's this great line actually in a Florence and the Machine song I wish I had thought of this in advance, but it's something like it's, I think the song is called King and it's early in the song where she says something like what happens when the thing that you love the most or something like the thing that you're best at is the thing that hurts the most. So it felt sort of like that, like an ache that I couldn't go back to it. But again, I think the learning for me has really been like all of life is like that. There's no... It's so silly. Like there's no destination, the sort of cliche thing. And success is really that I'm here. Like you said, I'm just a human being here. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I will ever go back to it. And honestly, I talk with my friend, Kate Cavanaugh a lot, who's been on the podcast, um, just about this idea of like, you know, it, it feels often like to me, this, this sense that like, I keep waking up as though like there's a test I haven't studied for or like homework I haven't finished. And Jesus Christ, I wish I could get, that's the one thing I wish I could get rid of. Like the question that haunts me around whether or not I will go back to it or when is really this internal sensation of like every day I've woken up and there's something that's not been done and I'm missing it. And it feels terrible. Like I would like to actually just be able to say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just like letting it go. Or I will come back to this in the right time but to be able to forget about it until then, because <laughs> right now it feels like it haunts me a bit. But that's my long answer to basically saying I, I just have no fucking idea. <laughs> and like the perfect answer, because the reality is none of us have any fucking idea any fucking time. Right. And we're all kind of addicted to this concept of certainty and proof and consistency and forever and always. Right. And I get it. That's safe. That's secure it would be amazing. It would also be like really boring and we'd all be like really boring people. But I really appreciate your honesty. And I had no idea where you're going to be, what was going to be going on. As I said, I've been like in a, in a very strange place myself. Yeah. But I, I knew that wherever you were, you were going to be real. And this is such, I mean, this is why Joseph Campbell has the dark night or the, it's the cave and his hero with a thousand faces, but yeah. you know, the dark night of the soul, like this extended experience of doubt and fear and FOMO. Uh, I think we can all relate to that dream. I still have that dream where I show up to a class and it's the finals, <laughs> like the final exam. Right. And I haven't studied for it at all. And I'm like, how did I like, who, like, who was I kidding? Anywho, uh, it's an incredibly yeah. relatable feeling. And it's just like, I'm starting to wonder though, like, just to laugh at the, like Joseph Campbell quote, like I, or, you know, like the idea of the dark night of the soul, like, I'm just starting to question if everyone else, or maybe it's just me or people like me, maybe that just feel like the dark night of the soul is just like the state of existence. And like your Saturn return is really mostly just all the years of your life and not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> like every 29 years or whatever. It's not that it's without beauty or joy or any of those things, but this might be, you're, you might be coming to me particularly at like the most real and honest and authentic and like without a lot of filter or bullshit. <laughs> like I just don't have it. And I think that's what you're saying. Like a lot of us have been through that, I think in the last year to three years or whatever. And so, yeah, this is where I've like tumbled in front of a computer into like this. This is this a complete tangent, but it's, it's coming up while you're talking. Like as someone who's done a lot of plant medicine, both unceremoniously and ceremoniously, yeah, 
my biggest takeaway after a hero's journey that I did earlier this year and trying to seek all of the answers and all of the purpose for this particular year is that like perhaps the entire point of these experiences is to make us so wildly uncomfortable and potentially like exist in a state of extended pain and suffering that when we come back to this present 3D reality, however you want to frame it, like we're just kind of good with the homeostasis, like not wanting to like puke or explode my guts out of multiple orifices. It's like, okay, we're yeah, doing like we're all doing right. Okay. We're doing yeah, okay. Like, and if yeah. you can find that was honestly the, the big takeaway and amongst like eight hours of like, what the fuck did I just do? Uh, was if you can find any semblance of peace in this experience, that's your answer. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you can hope for. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't disagree. Um, I was just going to say, it's funny because I think in doing this plus that, like it felt like the spiritual work was this idea of integration, right? Mm -hmm. Like in a world in which we see things as separate, how can I actually talk about how the nature of the universe is intertwined? Like mm -hmm. that everything is actually more connected than we often talk about or believe. Yeah, I think it's funny. I mean, bringing up plant medicine, I feel like, you know, I don't have a ton of experience with those things, but I think in the in the distance I've had from it or however close I've come to it, I think that my understanding is mostly like they give us profound experiences of um, integration, like that we are love, we're already one with the universe, we're it's all one big thing, right? Right, And I think we have sort of somehow signed up for some experience of separation, like that separation is really what we've come here to do. And actually separation in a lot of ways is beautiful, meaning like all of our individual sort of ways of being like the light that we each emit, if we're all sort of light beings like cast from the sun or whatever, this is getting very woo already. But like, like if we're all here to sort of emit a certain kind of frequency or whatever, like in that separation, like the separation is sort of looking through a prism of light and each of them have something to offer, you know, but so there, there's a way that separation is beautiful. And I think it's an experience we've come to have. And I think when I started this plus that, I thought, man, separation in itself is terrible, which is actually an act of separation. <laughs> like there is a part I think of that, that I'm learning around, this is also totally tangent, but I just think there's a part of it I'm learning that like, I don't know, as with anything, what pieces of separation are good to have and what, what doesn't do us, like what doesn't serve us anymore. But it, it is a profoundly uncomfortable experience to be separated. <laughs> and I don't know why we've chosen it, but here we are. Okay, I'm going to ask a question and you have full permission to not answer this one. This is not a pre-canned pre question. Uh, sure. Dinner catch up prior to the session. And in our last episode, one of your big fears, and I think, again, this is so relatable to every creative, every entrepreneur, every person who's willing to try something and, and put that concept or even themselves out into the world. Mm -hmm. The fear is is rejection. And something you mentioned a lot was the the expulsion from community. You took a leap of faith. You bet your house quite literally, literally on yeah. you, your health. I think the, the way you phrased it was, <clears throat> I'm, I'm selling my house to save my health. And at the time you had worked out something like a five month runway. And again, kind of, it's always hard with, with like podcasts, especially, but where people are releasing things because you don't have any idea, like in, in real time when, when that thing was created. But right. from my purview, you, you kept going beyond the five months, but now with 18 months, 2020 hindsight, how are you feeling about the bet you made? Yeah, it was really a year. Like my, my deal was like, I want to give myself rent for a year because I was selling my house. I was going to have to go back to renting. So the idea was give myself a year and see what I can do with this creative endeavor and see if I can start, you know, doing what we all sort of need and have to do, which is make money from it. Right. And that, that everlasting question of artists of whether or not you make your income from, or at least your living from the things that you do creatively. So yeah, I was, I bet my house on that. So a year of runway and then, um, also doing health things. I don't have any clear answers yet on the creative piece of that. I do feel like I have good answers on the health piece of that, which is everything I sold my house to pay for, the major part of that in terms of the health stuff 
got botched, meaning I never ended up doing it because some other kink got thrown in that was even more significant that I was told I needed to do for my health. And at that point, um, as I was telling you before the call, I was so overwhelmed at the gravity and the impact of what that choosing to do that would have been and whether or not I would have even had enough money to cover that as well with the sale of the house. And so um, everything I thought or this like major thing I sold the house for vanished. Like I just decided not to do it. I completely changed my mind. Um, that was hard in and of itself. But because of that, I sort of connectedly had this bout of very bad insomnia for a few weeks. And in that bout of insomnia, whoa, fell down a rabbit hole that is actually what I feel like saved my life. And I'm not entirely sure I would have found it had I not sold the house for an entirely different purpose, if that makes sense at all. It makes Which way too I think much is sense. exactly yeah. how the universe works, right? Yeah. I have all this like very detailed plan. Like I'm going to, I have literally a treatment plan. Um, in this case, it was from a dentist and not a doctor, um, but they should be one in the same thing because they're connected, but that's a whole different story. And teeth um, are such a powerful, like the, yeah, the whole energetics teeth and teeth mouth like and gut wild. and yeah. everything else, your vagus nerve. I mean, all kinds of things mm -hmm. are connected to your mouth. So yeah, I just, I don't think I would have stumbled onto that information, which um, actually interestingly is called quantum biology, hard oh. fan, like hard rep of that at the moment. It just completely changed my life. Things that I had worked on in my chronic health for over a decade changed within a week. Wow. Um, and I am not fully healed, but what even is that? I don't know what that is. So there's, there are some, and I don't mean that just in like, oh, I still have some minor things, but whatever. Like I have some, you know, a couple still very specific major things going on, but my aliveness feels for the first time in over a decade, completely rearranged because of um, quantum health. So there's no need to really go into that unless you want to know what that is, but. We, I mean, no, I don't, uh, I don't feel particularly called to, but you mentioned aliveness, which was yeah. a concept and I'm so glad that you said that because we, we obviously talked a lot about aliveness. It was a concept that you were both very much practicing. And then mm -hmm. you also mentioned as a creator, as an artist, it's a little hard to believe that like everything can work out. And mm -hmm. the, the journey that you've been on, there was, there was a plan, there was a strategy and everything went tits up. And yet you still managed to stumble probably on the exact thing you were <laughs> meant to find. Mm -hmm. And so in that, 2020 hindsight and, and this meandering path that always makes sense when we look backwards, but looking forward, you're like, I am, I'm not going in there. <laughs> like that is a creepy ass, which invested for is I'm pretty sure it's straight uphill, like, but we'll take one more step forward. So with this concept of aliveness and dare I say it, faith and everything you've been through, mm -hmm. how are you integrating that? concept now? Ooh, yes. Another painful question, I think, for me as someone who... And full yeah, permission has, to not answer. No, I, I, I tend to like no, go for the is, jugular. This is what I'm here for. I, these are the questions I want. I'm not interested in having anything else other than these questions. <laughs> so how's the um, weather in Boulder? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's always beautiful for anybody listening. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. Yeah. I say it's painful because, you know, it's funny at some point, this friend of mine in the middle of, you know, that sort of several months span of like selling the house, starting really to focus on this plus that stuff. He said to me at one point, you know, you talk so much about aliveness. I think one day you're going to start a company called death. And he's, I think he's not all that far off, which is to say, um, I think the like non BS take I have on aliveness as of today is how deeply connected it is to grief and death. They're just so inextricably linked. You can't have one without the other. And I mean, even if you listen to my episode with Andreas Weber, Weber it's called love plus death. And really all we do is talk about the concept of aliveness and death, you know? So like this has been a concept that's been rolling around in my head for a long time, but now I feel like I'm sort of in the like grief swing of things, you know, like that there's just a lot of, morning going on. And I wish there were some other like spiritual concept I could pull on that sort of, I'm trying to remember something that's just sort of talking about like, maybe it's like the closest that comes is sort of like Kali, which is sort of how I 
talk about uh, and joke about a Saturn return, but it just feels like all the layers I thought I had leveled in my life, like there's even more underneath that that are just getting leveled. And I think a lot of that has to do with a lifetime for me. And this is a little bit of a turn, but like doing things I because I think I'm supposed to, whether it's like produce content or work I think I'm supposed to be doing or whatever else. And, and also just like my way of being in the world, people pleasing in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I don't know. There's something I'm trying to like tie together here in a, cl- a clear-ish answer, which is like, everything's just getting sort of destroyed internally, I guess, more than anything else. And I have literally no idea where I go from here, but I think aliveness for me has really looked like, I guess like all the concepts I had of what I thought were aliveness being destroyed and really getting down to like bare bones of like what is actually needed in a life. What do I want to do? What's important to me and who the fuck I don't know, we're always asking this question, but like, who the fuck am I? Like, what do I truly want to do with my life? And I don't know, taking creative leaps has a way of sort of forcing you into that conundrum or that question, but also so does health. If anybody else has struggled with health stuff or someone else's health stuff, as your case may be, like you're very familiar with how that will throw a wrench in all of your aliveness plans, I guess. Um, But they, Uh yeah. They're just connected. A thousand percent. And what what's fascinating is when you're in survival mode, when you were literally questioning your ability to experience aliveness, mm-hmm. it 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 simplifies the 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 equation, if you will. Mm-hmm. It it mm-hmm. I mean, no pun intended, it becomes this plus that. Right. And it's so interesting hearing you share all of this and thank you. I can't imagine it's easy. Some would suggest you cannot have creation without destruction. Mm-hmm. And I think I, so in, in my work, I talk a lot about the energy leadership and energy leadership index. And I was in discussion actually with a death doula Mm -hmm. and they were essentially saying, you know, exuberant, blissful, orgasmic joy is one degree from soul crushing, Mm -hmm. um, grief. Mm -hmm. And it's why, I mean, I'm sure every everyone has potentially experienced this, but in, in, in a death ceremony, there will often be people hysterically laughing whilst mm-hmm. or on the other side of hysterically crying. And right. those two frequencies, albeit very extreme, are, mm-hmm. are not that far off. And it's, it's most likely our own human interpretation of that sorrow. I've had a pretty, I've had my own experience with death and I am, and for me, it's, our own uh, regret, wishing, wanting that leaves us suffering, not the the person who was actually transitioned and passed on. Yeah, That isn't just a life thing. That can also be a work thing or a project thing or a relationship thing, or even just, you know, as so many of us evolve, we realize we can no longer eat some of the same things or participate in some of the same activities. And that is a grief and a loss. And mm-hmm. I was actually talking about this with an artist that I work with who is um, also experiencing chronic health issues. I think it's a pretty prevalent experience these days. Mm-hmm. But they were saying how they picked up a poem they wrote 10 years ago, and they write pretty like epic, long form poetry. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't thought about the poem in 10 plus years. They're in a state of immobility. But their, their art was movement. And so they, they sort of mm. grappled with how can I bring this poem to life in a way that feels cathartic and healing. And so they did a spoken word version, moved with their hands, recorded it. And that piece was really for them. But the transmutation of the energy of feeling potentially like immobilized, disabled, yet wanting to create, not knowing how to create in this moment because they don't have access to and potentially might never have access to that mm-hmm. same level of expression. And, you know, when you look at like famous artists, oftentimes they have like bodies of work, you know, they have the blue period um, or the impressionist period. And I don't think that's coincidence. I think, and as we evolve and grow, we should abandon things that are no longer of interest to us. But somewhere along the lines, we got addicted to this concept of like consistency and sameness. Mm -hmm. And I I talk about it all the time in contracts and agreements when people want something in writing that everybody signs. And I was like, this 
this is a promise we're making to each other. It's good to put it in writing because, you know, some people are, are going to learn better and we can reflect back on this. Mm-hmm. But like this, this is real right now. And in five minutes, this may or may no longer apply. And ultimately, it's just going to matter like how deep our pockets are for our lawyers. (laughs) Like, I try not to work with people who would potentially go that route. But in embracing the now, understanding there is mourning and grief in -hmm. your experience, in your energy, what, like I asked you in the last episode, what you would consider your day job. What do you currently consider to be your day job? Oh, that's so much easier to answer now only because I literally work with someone in quantum biology stuff. Like I just loved it so much and it changed my life so much that I actually just became her business partner. Um, so that's like literally what's paying my bills. How lucky that they found you because your background, your skills and expertise would be phenomenal for somebody trying to get like that healing out and into the world. Right. I found, yeah, I found her, which is like the information that sort of changed my life. And then because I liked her so much, I reached out to her and was like, I'm looking for some steadiness. And this is sort of an answer to like what came after the runway, right? Like I sort of got Mm -hmm. to a point where I was like, I do actually kind of need to practically have some sustainable income. And so, yeah, I reached out to her and proposed a scenario where I helped her get her message bigger and her business um, bigger so that more people could be affected. So that's the answer to that. I think too, like, I love what you said just if I can just sort of go back, like the, the artist you're talking about, like, I think the question, right, is how do we metabolize pain, right? Or how do we metabolize the things that we've been through into something when there is no, like the plan just got thrown fully out the door. And I think your answer, like you just sort of telling that story and like that, that piece that she made was really just for herself, I think is really kind of where you just have to get to. And I think because anything else is just sort of bullshit. Anything where you're like, well, I just have to produce so that other people see it just like, isn't enough to run on. Like when you run into these scenarios, like it's like hitting a brick wall where you're like, I just actually don't care what people need or think need of me or think about me. Like I actually have to do this, my art myself, um, for myself. I used to always say I was really big in the spoken word poetry scene. Like I just, I used to go all the time here in Denver and I always tell people that my, you can tell the difference between a poet who said something because they think it was something that was going to get a lot of like votes or whatever. Um, and the person who got up to say something because it literally had to come out of them to save their life. I think my challenge more has been like, you know, you were saying like the the peaks and valleys of the sort of death and, and grief versus um, joy and bliss and ecstasy and aliveness and all those things being two sides of the same coin sort of. Mm-hmm. Those are actually like relatively easy to experience in my world. I have a harder time in the middle, which is I read a lot of um, Gabor Mate's work um, over the past year and in The Myth of Normal, where he talks about how depression isn't a lack of feeling. It's actually an excess of feeling. So your body sort of shuts off because you actually just like don't have the capacity to metabolize or process everything that's happening through you, all the feeling that's sort of pumping through you. And I think that's sort of the extended state of where I've been. And that's just real. Like I just, that's the part where I think I feel zero BS. Like I just, I can't be the like, at the moment, like I can't give great language around grief and death versus aliveness and bliss. Like I have a lot more of just like, I don't know, like I wake up every day and I do a job for Carrie. That's my daily income. And the best I know how to do is just to continue to be in the fucking uncomfortable soup that is zero answers. Like no high peaks, no low lows, just like living a real boring everyday life. And you know, who is it? Nayira Waid, maybe who said like, it's the joy we find in a, a hundred boring Wednesdays or something like that. You know, like that's sort of what life feels like right now. So, but yeah, I think that's sort of like the artistic task is to just whatever we think. I mean, even now I'm rambling, but I was just thinking too about like my heroes in the creative world are people like Krista Tippett, who literally have done a podcast on being for 20 plus years. And so it's hard not to look at those as like the model of success. Like the way you get to fame, the way you get to like international acclaim, the way you get to have the conversations you want to have and be in the rooms that you want to be in is to do something 
you know, it's very like war of art, just like show up every day, do the work, sit down at the table, write the thing. And I just like, I have zero capacity for that at the moment. I don't know what it is, but like, it's just like, it's outside of my capability and I'm just existing and sort of what feels like an internal eternal now, which is like, what do you have today? And the best I can do is offer connection like to the people around me or the people that I feel connection with and the land I live on and all of those things like daily walks really <laughs> are like my biggest spiritual act at the moment. So there's nothing like grandiose going on over here. And I think getting comfortable with that is really kind of the like no BS place. Maybe you get to sort of later in adulthood. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to tease this out a little bit further because obviously the 18 last 18 months, you said peaks and valleys. My, one of my arty friends uh, refers to it as soaring highs and plummeting lows. Mm -hmm. How you had a, a handful of practices and rituals mm -hmm. and tools and um, perspectives that you were drawing upon previously, like how did you get through the last 18 months, especially some of those like crushing updates in terms of your health and yeah. uh, the, the, the plans, the well laid out plans and the, and also to bring um, awareness back to the fact that you walked away from something or you've let something, you put something down, shall we say, that was the purpose and the drive and mm -hmm. that people were getting, were, 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 reiterating how valuable this work was. And yeah, that's the even harder part, right? It's like, it wasn't like I was just sort of, I mean, it's not like a ton of people knew about me, but like those that did and those that had found me were kind of crazy about it. And so the, the response from those people actually makes it even harder to be like, oh man, I'm not that I'm not living up to what they need to be delivered in their inboxes or whatever every day. It's more like, sort of like a spiritual ache and question that is like, am I not giving what it is that I'm here to give? Like, am I actually robbing people of something? And I think that's even more terrible to sort of place on yourself. I don't know. I, but yeah. yeah well, we'll circle back to that because like, <clears throat> um, letting, like letting yourself down or letting others down. Right. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it is so often the externalized concepts of success. What is this supposed to look like? And we tell ourselves you're a failure, you're weak, mm -hmm. you um, are uh, like flaky. That's what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. you, like, how did you overcome I I, that inner dialogue? Because I know that you probably beat the shit out of yourself. And also like, not even the inner dialogue, the outer dialogue that was like, nope, you can't. Nope, that's not going to happen. Ain't going to work. Like, don't care that you bet the house. This is, you don't, you don't get a say in this. Like what, what were some of the practices, even just like thought patterns and, and or tools that you used to show up here today? Yeah. It's such an interesting question because it felt like all the tools I used to keep myself sustainable during the prior period of time are no longer accessible to me. Yeah. I don't know why, but I cannot read a book to save my fucking life. Like, wow. Genuinely, I have tried. I, I like I'm nomadic at the moment and I downloaded every book that was important to me and then bought many more digitally on an iPad so I could walk around with them. And I don't know. I, it's just like impossible for me to read. And, you know, like I had something I called joy practice. I have an, a podcast interview with someone, Zach Rosen, who has something called the Ad best advice show or whatever. Um, and my five minutes of good advice was this morning practice I had called joy practice. I don't remember if we talked about that or not. We did. Um, yeah. Gone. Like I can't seem to do that either. It's like, I just, um, you know, <laughs> Again, I'm just rambling all over the place, but my honest answer you're to not, this You're not, you're not. This is all so like, <laughs> it's all, I think it's important it's that relatable. we actually evolve. To me, it's like yeah. why I have a job because your old stuff isn't doing it anymore. When you're trying right. to get to the next place, doing the same thing. I mean, we've heard that one a million times, but so that it is super relevant. Right. And that's why I wanted to ask you because what you went through and what you've been going through, firstly, again, super relatable. But secondly, as someone who I know is a very, um, firstly, the the level of intention and like thought that you put into everything. It's not something I've experienced often. Yeah. So I know that 
you tried your tools, you switched it up, you went with different strategies, you tested them, like you were in a constant state of review. So I, I, it's, I mean, I I don't know someone out there right now who isn't going through their own dark night of the soul or dark cave. Um, Even like the muggles uh, or however you'd like to refer to them as like, it's the world is dishing out like yeah, I always like think about that Muhammad was it Muhammad Ali it might have been Rocky (laughs) like it doesn't matter how hard you hit it's about how hard you get hit and get back up and keep fighting yeah well thank you for the that encouragement you're basically actively hearing me um shit on myself (laughs) um in real time um which I always question, I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but I, I think I'm a self-preservation four, but I usually get confused for and have thought most of my life I was a one, which is a perfectionist and which also has the absolute most unrelenting internal self-critic of the entire Enneagram. But I do think I'm a four in any case. So yeah, the conversation or like this sort of, um, yeah, question I've been, or one of the questions I guess I've been living with around that is sort of like that, that stuff was like my source material. Like when I, when I read, Mm. especially like podcasts can sort of do this for me, but reading is actually where my brain makes connections. It's where I get fired up. It's where Mm -hmm. I feel I'd say reading and then nature, like those two things are sort of yeah, like where I, like that is source for me. Like that is where I pull, like in a very Rick Rubin, the creative act sort of way. Like those are the filters through which I really start to um, build the things that I offer the world or like whatever comes out of me. It's how I make connections. It's how I spot patterns. It's how I get inspired. It's how I feed myself. I, in one of my podcast episodes, even with Sila, I talk about Sila Saderstrom. I talk about almost like an act of bibliomancy, like foretelling or like magic as, or like intuition sort of drawn from reading like that, that is really where I get my inspiration. And so to not be able to access it right now feels really hard. And I think I can't tell, but my guess is that I've sort of shut it down because it's like, I can't do it without needing to Mm. release the information I'm given. And there's something that is, I have to call it some sort of like spiritual block for me right now that cannot give. Like I just can't produce, like I just don't feel steady or ready enough. Like there's something it feels like the world is doing with me that just has me like sort of pinned here in this place that's like, just fucking sit for a minute, you know, like an extended minute. (laughs) So in the absence of those things, I guess the things that have kept me alive the things that have kept me going and sustained have been a challenge to say the least. I think you might, I think it would be dishonest to not actually mention that there have been many moments in this process that I have actually, the word is not suicidal. I think a lot of us have this experience of like, I don't exactly want to be alive, but I also have no interest in dying. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's just a lot of deep, like why, do this? Why be here? Why? What's the point? Sort of like real. And I think that's where the like, the honest, authentic, like, I just don't have space for BS comes from. So that has been a profound part of this this experience. But in the midst of that, the things that do keep me sourced, I think are primarily uh, walks in nature. Nature doesn't really need anything from you, which is a real relief. And yeah, it's just, it's a just profoundly soothing for me to be in nature. So I have spent as much time in the sun, barefoot, outside, walking in trees, in the forest, near water, in water um, as possible. And yeah, I mean, maybe that is like the deepest source, you know, so I'm just sort of returning to, to that. And I think that's what keeps me not only spiritually alive, but like literally, I mean, that is to sort of give a little bit of hint of it, um, a huge part of quantum biology. So I literally think it changed my health. I think there's something mystical and amazing at the deepest level of outside and nature that we've been separated from. Um, so yeah, I find a lot of source from that and, and reason to be here and just not even reason to be here, just like a way of just being, just like basking in now, I guess. So that's my real best answer because everything else has been a tool that like, I just, it's not worked. It's just not working for me at the moment. So 
Yeah. I think it takes a lot of courage to admit like the thing that I used for a really long time just isn't working anymore. The thing that I did for a really long time just isn't me anymore. It's uh, redefining our, your identity, which is one of the most challenging experiences I think humans go through because mm-hmm. we define ourselves through identity. Yeah. And so often it connects us to so many of the things that we seek out for reward or validation or um, nurturing and support, right? It's interesting because you're, you are navigating these contradictions and these paradoxes. Like this is clearly your art, whether it's in a recorded format or a lived experience. Yeah. I do now need to tease the thread of quantum biology. And I think for my listeners, it will be really useful for them, not just to know a little bit more about this this modality, but to also like how you found it, because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my people are creating things, have their own modalities and practices and works and businesses. And now you're on the flip side of it, actually bringing people into this concept. And I don't want to say like business or organization, because I don't know anything about it, but I think that angle of this particular journey would be useful for my people, but also I like really want to know what quantum biology is. Oh, and before, before I go there. So I have uh, another thread in my podcast series called the quantum business book club, because Uh reading is also like my fucking jam. I've never really watched anything, which things you're reading. Oh, thanks. Um, well, I was going to recommend a book because it's it's the book that got me back into fiction. I hadn't read any fiction mm. in like 15 years. And I was like, I don't read fiction. Like, yeah, uh, like the, the most fiction I'll do is like a lot of like history, which is someone's version of a story. Yeah. Um, but I, I did, I called it Quantum Business Book Club because my very limited knowledge of quantum physics is this concept of of multiple particles being in essentially this, the same, shall we say space for lack of a better term. And when I read, I feel like I'm in conversation with that mm. author, what, whatever mm. time they were alive, I can place myself in the context when they wrote it. Cause I'm a nerd and I'll go look at all like, why did, you know, Mary Shelley write Frankenstein? Like it was her yeah. own battle with science and nature and not just about some monster and very apropos for our current uh, time, but I, I like, I create these characters in my head and I was talking about, I was going to say, may, may I recommend softcore fairy porn to really get you? It really isn't. Um, yeah. but I, I like, I, I develop a relationship with these characters and yeah. I, as I get to the end of a book, I slow down because I don't want it to end. And these weren't yeah. even like, they weren't the best books that I've ever read, but, um, I like, I love reading for that reason. And it's, it's interesting because while I'm like binging on fairy smut and my partner's like playing video games, I'm thinking like, this isn't actually like, we're both escaping right now mm-hmm. and we're both probably doing a little too much and disconnecting from a variety of different things that perhaps if we just sat with might be more like beneficial, valuable, but also like eh, sometimes disconnection yeah. is part of the process too. Well, and, and like, like in these super hard times where we move into survival mode, like I always think about like the hermit card and tarot Mm -hmm. and just the Mm -hmm. energy of that, like all you can, like, you can't see outside of this immediate sphere around you and Mm -hmm. you can put one foot safely in front, but everything after that is a complete, no idea. And you said, you quoted Elizabeth Gilbert in the last episode and said, sometimes you don't know what next you mm. only know not this. Not this. And with quantum biology, so powerful yeah, still. to kind of like circle back to that, you knew not this. You yeah. somehow stumbled upon at the bottom of the rabbit hole, the thing that yeah. I like to refer to it as the next big thing. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I've done this enough. And I do this um, every year. Like I create a whole year plan just to get my fucking mind to shut up because yeah. I know like none of that's going to happen, but like I still like white knuckle the need to know and have a plan and have a strategy and like everything's coordinated and it's beautiful. And then within hours, it's like already like crumpled up on the floor and I've forgotten where I put it and I don't where my notes are and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I'm now meandering back to, no, yeah, let's actually just a talk a little bit. Springboard. I was going to say, actually, if you'll allow me to sort of go back a bit and to to, to get to the place where I sort of got to quantum biology, because I think it is actually really relevant to quantum biology. 
Like it's not unrelated. No surprise. I think a lot of the lessons I had been learning in, um, in this whole process and selling the house and everything else and till now and still am deeply grappling with is this idea of forcing things that mm. the way that I've done things in my life is to like plan and I don't know, like I'd say goal setting, but I'm not, I'm definitely not one of those people who's like, here are all my like very distinct yearly goals or whatever. It's just, that's never been a huge part of who I am, but here's a good example. And I'll try to make this brief. I really want to spend two to three months in Costa Rica in the beginning of January, 2024. I just want to be, and this is related to in sunlight on a beach near water, like all the things. And last winter was brutal. Like yeah. even I was like, I don't think I can do this again. Like yeah, I really want to roll into like month eight of blizzarding snow. Like, no. Yeah. And then it's like, it rained so much here for so long mm. that like, it was like summer became three months. And I was like, mm -hmm. I mean, summer's supposed to be three months, but you know what I mean? Like the warm, for like suckers. being able to be outside was just <laughs> yeah. like for suckers. Yeah. Um, for us here in Colorado. Um, so that became really hard. But anyway, so yeah, I was like, why don't I just give a middle finger to winter this coming year? And because I can finally be remote in my life, which is what I'm, yeah, I'm nomadic at the moment, which was different from when I last talked to you. Um, Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah. So um, I really want to go. And I have this whole, you. I've been reading, I've been reading Joe Dispenza, love him or hate him, Night. whatever. I've Dude, been reading Joe Dispenza. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I always feel like I have to caveat this. I have some real contentions. I could give an entire three hour speech on the idea of personal responsibility and how mm -hmm. catastrophic I think that is. I don't actually love at least personal, personal responsibility that doesn't. Uh, so oh, we're talking about sort of manifesting, like it's wherever, wherever I'm at in the world is where I've sort of called to me. It's very existential kink, et cetera. But I think she does a great job of actually pairing that with the recognition that there are I systemic factors that that's there funny. are six systemic factors at play like my health mm -hmm. is not just i if if personal responsibility alone could make you healthy i would be the healthiest person on the planet i guarantee fucking to you i have done this for 10 plus years etc right so um i'll caveat joe dispenza with that which is to say like i've been reading joe dispenza and i just thought why not sort of do what he sort of gives examples of it in the book. And instead of being like, I'm going to get on an Airbnb and I'm going to like go by my flight on Southwest and I'm going to do all the things to like, just go ahead and plan it. I was like, I actually just want to live in Costa Rica, like rent free. Like that would be sort of the dream for two or three months in early 2024. Those are sort of my only parameters. And other than like, I would really love to literally be able to walk out the door and onto sand. Like <laughs> that's my hope. Um, and I was like, why not just sort of like see if I can test this whole like intention thing and like aligning myself with, you know, it's, it is sort of like joy practice. Like just imagine the things that you want and believe that they've already happened sorts of things. And I feel do think it there's in magic your body. As if I think yeah, there is the real, real true magic to that. I, joy practice and like whatever Joe Dispenza teaches around like actually quantumly aligning yourself with a possibility that has actually already happened in some other reality. Like I'm, I'm fully on board. Um, and all of the like systemic factors make it real, like all the filters in our actual like 3D material world make it real fucking difficult. So anyway, nonetheless, I had this whole plan to not plan. And then like a few days later, I was trying to buy tickets and I was like already, like I'm just trying to force every outcome. I think what the world is doing with me and this like, Brandy, you can't move anywhere, like you can't make any sort of progress the way that you would sort of define it and sticking me in this place of discomfort for so long is like disarming me from the ability to do the like control thing, which I think is why I can't do the war of art. Like I cannot just mechanically sit down in a chair every morning at 8am and write for four hours and then call that my work day. It's just like, no, I just want to like highlight that's I, I think we have moved so far beyond there's a one size fit all one strategy, mm -hmm. one answer, run one, one right way. Right. I, I mean, this is one of like the, the key components of my work is people need to discover how they work best and also understand that will evolve. And so learning right. the cues of like, oh, it's time to probably try something different here. And Very there is few magic people... to some cons consistency. Like I understand it, but also go ahead. I think it's, well, I think consistency, we have a certain interpretation of what right. that looks like and how right. that shows up to your point. You have yes. been 
incredibly consistent with what you do, how you do your day job, your work in this world. It just looks real different than it used to. Right. So I think we can get caught up in the semantics of it. To me, it's, it always goes back to like a frequency, a particular feeling. And only I know if I'm both like calling that in and sending that out on a regular basis and like what's even regular. So anywho, I just, I think it's really important. Like just because it works for Stephen Pressfield, um, doesn't mean, or like Joan, uh, who's that other author, um, who says she does the exact same thing except for it's eight hours a day. And Stephen Pressfield makes fun of her. She's a super famous writer. Anywho, like he makes fun of her for showing up for eight hours. He's like, who could do that? But like, it has to be four. And that's anywho. Yeah. Everyone gets yes, to discover important. their own, their own creative process and it should shift yeah. and change and evolve. Yes. So all important nuances. So all that is to say, I felt like what I was being taught, feel like what I'm being taught is this sort of like allowing, Mm. just like allowing, just like knowing that I don't have to be in this constant, like forcing energy, just going and fighting and planning and doing and whatever. And I think actually collectively we're kind of experiencing that too. It's just like, I just, a 2020 just fucking blew everything out of the water where it was like, Mm. Oh, plans just don't matter anymore. So Anyway, all that being said, to tie that in, I had spent this amount of time planning to sell my house, getting the house ready, selling the house, plant, like literally had a treatment plan for what I was going to do for my health. And then also when you have an influx of cash that you've never had, had like a house sale in your bank account, I was like, I am going to health the best anyone has ever helped. I went to probably seven appointments a week. I was getting massage. I was doing craniosacral work. I was, um, what else was I doing? Acupuncture. I know you had a crazy nutrition regime. You name it. And And you were getting, you were like going like to the farm and like picking out. (laughs) I mean, that still happens. That's true. Only because that's a deep love of mine. But regardless, so I was like, I made my health into a checklist, which is a thing I'm exceptionally good at. And then this news about like health, something I was recommended to do and ordered, I'll just say like specifically, I was told I needed full jaw surgery and it just threw an epic wrench into everything. I stopped being able to do anything. I didn't have the capacity like emotionally and mentally and spiritually to like sustain that idea on top of everything else I had just done to art. Like after I had sold the house to pay for other health things, I was like, this is just like, this is too much. And in a health journey, it can sort of get like that. Like anyone who has ever been through chronic illness is probably extremely familiar with once you start digging into your stomach, you know, your gut, then it becomes your dental work, then it becomes your brain, then it becomes your, I mean, you name it, like something could be wrong, your lungs, your breathing, your whatever. So I had been in that sort of spiraling around. And at some point when that started to affect all my personal relationships, speaking of grief, like it just really, it um, exploded my personal relationships. So everything I had planned, all the community, like I said, my deep fear of losing, being rejected by community, it happened and in different ways than I expected. And in that amount of stress, I battled with some insomnia that lasted, I think, four to six weeks. And it was really severe and I was struggling. I couldn't operate very well at all. And... I just started the the answer to how I found this was I, so one of the people that's been on my podcast twice, Kate Kavanaugh is now a good friend of mine. She's brilliant. She lives in upstate New York. She's a butcher. She's a vegetarian. This is her famous story. She's a vegetarian turned butcher, a fucking badass. She teaches, she can, you know, butcher a bison in front of a crowd these days and just wow everybody. Um, she's very smart. She does a lot of other things that are brilliant too. And she on her podcast, which is now called Oh God, Kate, I'm so sorry. It used to be called Groundwork. Now it's called Mind, Body, Soil with Kate Kavanaugh. She invited on two people. One was Carrie um, Carrie Bennett and the other one was Sarah Kleiner. And I listened to these two and Carrie had this wild conversation with Kate talking about 
the liquid crystalline structural structure in our body and how this liquid crystal. So like, I don't want to go into this part too much, but basically what Carrie was talking about was the idea that our bodies are actually made of water and they're charged by the sun. So where we tend to think that only plants are photosynthetic, humans actually survive on sunlight too. The process internally is a little bit different, but the mechanism is basically the same, or not the mechanism, but like the outcome is basically the same. So anyway, I found through Carrie someone who was sort of talking about like, because all my sleep issues I were, was convinced was, were also related to my dental health. I have narrow airways and all these other things that were part of what we were working on in my journey. Long story short, the basis of quantum biology is this idea that in most of the world, we think of health from a biomechanic, like um, biomechanics. So like lab work, how's your blood work? How, um, you know, like how's the imaging look in your body? Mm -hmm. And we sort of mostly like even if you're in alternative health, look at health as kind of mimicking Western medicine and pharmaceuticals. So rather than like a pill, instead you take a supplement, you know, that sort of like one-to-one trade-off. So um, quantum health, however, sees even at the quantum level that like health is actually not based on biochemistry. So how, how much nitrogen, oxygen, potassium, like all those things you have in your body and more, how are the protons, neutrons, and electrons doing in your body? And most specifically that like, and no surprise, cause electrons are sort of what you're talking about, like quantum entanglement, right? That like, when you read a book, you're sort of skipping back in time because time is an illusion and we are actually entangled with everything around us and back in time and forward in time and all those things. So humans actually run on electrons. So the more electrons you, um, the more electron rich your body is, and Carrie teaches all the ways that you sort of gain electrons, but the real basic, the things I love that are real easy to understand is that like, it's mostly nature and it's mostly free. Bare feet on earth where you actually gather electrons from the magnetism of the earth itself. Sunlight where it excites those electrons and gives you more energy and um, builds up that liquid crystal in your body so that the electrons can flow better in your fascia, like between everything, etc. And it, it sounds real wonky, but like the end result is literally like sun, water, electrons, and mitochondria are like the basis of health. And all of those things are actually improved by ancient technologies, indigenous, sacred, just be out in nature, touch your bare skin to the earth, be near water, drink structured water, like, um, and food and diet and all those things actually become very secondary and the primary things. And even Andrew Huberman talks about this a lot is I, the light inside your eye, your eye is the biggest health organ. So like those sorts of things. So, Mm. um, no need to go sort of really further than that, but it's the idea of like literally quantum health is, um, looking at sort of protons and electrons in your body and how those function beyond, the chemical stuff, because once you get those things in order, the other stuff sort of aligns. How long, firstly, it all makes perfect sense to me. And my favorite modalities are the ones that are like, it's free and accessible immediately. Like, which is almost nothing. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been, I don't know what the right word is like practicing, implementing, Mm -hmm. using I'd probably say real, I don't want to use religiously or strictly, but I've been really in it probably since September. Okay. So that's, that's so a almost a year. Um, so just a, about a year. Only due to time purposes. Yeah. Could you sum up the impact it's made on you in the last, what is that, like nine, 10 months? I can tell you the most significantly one, significant one in a real short amount of time, which is I experienced chronic fatigue for about 10 plus years. Um, and I love this definition. I found someone say on Twitter, which is like, if you don't know fatigue, the difference between being tired is that you can't stay awake, but fatigue, you can't move. Like it was mm. just difficult to actually function in the world. It's scary. Like it's, yeah. it's, um, tired. You don't, you don't feel that sense of fear with tired. You're just like, I right. wish I could take a nap. Yeah. Fatigue. It's scary. Like it, I, yeah. I experience it. Like there's something like significantly wrong and I, I can't do anything about it. Like it, yeah. it blah, 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 I don't even like thinking about it. It makes me yeah. like throw up. You are just fully lacking aliveness is what it literally feels like. <laughs> yeah. And so I had worked on that for around a decade. I tried everything you might imagine within three days. I'm not kidding. Within three days, 
of walking outside during UVA rise. Again, you can go Google Carrie and read, you know, like all of we'll link things. it. We'll link it in the show yeah. notes as well. Um, Within three days of walking for, I would tend to walk for about an hour. It's more than most people have an opportunity to do, but I work, walk for about an hour around UVA rise. So for me, that's usually around between seven and eight or seven thirty and eight or something like that, depending on the time of year. My fatigue vanished. And I don't mean wow. kind of, I mean, fully, I've never experienced it again. It's never come back. Of course, I continue to do that practice and it's not like I do it almost every day. It's not like I've never missed a day, but that just disappeared. And I can't tell you that like the ability to actually be alive and to have energy completely impacted every other health aspect of my life. So I have the capacity now to actually tackle other things, but my sleep improved. She talks about also nasal breathing and all that. It's like James Nestor. If you've not read breath, that's also genius. But like mm -hmm. I started mouth taping at night, my, and also just all the circadian rhythm things that Carrie talks about sleep problems I had basically disappeared. I sleep through the night. I don't need to wake up between. I don't often wake up too early unless I'm in periods still of like in, in um, heightened stress. Gut health improved. I've been working on a, cough, a lingering cough for the last several months that has significantly improved as well because of that. Like there's just like not an aspect of my life that it hasn't touched because, you know, health is one of those things when you pull one thread, it starts to pull the rest too, mm. thankfully that is one indication that we live and we are a system living in a system. We are a process living in a process. So yeah, that's the short answer. Mostly it's like I got my life back. Well, I'm the so, first thing I so, told Carrie was like, what a gift. So grateful. Yeah. That's, I mean, amazing. And I, I hope that people listening, I, you kind of mentioned this earlier, like in terms of reading and, and it, um, firing your brain up and, and you start to look for all the connections. I'm, I'm a pattern seeker, mm -hmm. but uh, I believe like one of the ways I play with magic and synchronicities and intuition is I think I'm in dialogue with the universe. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I love podcasts because I like, I don't really do audio audiobooks. Like I like to mm -hmm. read, but then things will jump out and I'm like, that's the thing that I was supposed to read or with podcasts, especially because I, I like not very good. I don't know. Listening. I like go off, I drift off, but then yeah. like I'll tune back in and I'll hear something. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a reason, I think there, I, I like to believe there's a reason for that and a purpose behind it. So I think mm -hmm. anybody listening to this is going to reverberate with quantum biology if it's, if they're meant to, and you've probably once again made a huge impact and helped at least one person, if not multiple. So thank you very much for sharing that. And the, one of the things, I mean, your ability to like name drop and reference, it's, uh, it inspires me because pronouns, like I cannot, or proper nouns, my brain does not like reach into the filing cabinet and like pull that out ever. And it makes me sound hilarious, but I'm really good at looking like an idiot. Um, don't ever invite me to a uh, trivia night. I will not win. I'm fairly bad at some... it, honestly, unless something has made a massive impact on me. So well, I think you're just ability to, to connect. I mean, again, mm -hmm. that's, that's why you're here. So yeah. you, you're able to like pull on those tethers. Uh, yeah. it seems at least from my perspective at will, and I'm impressed slash jealous, but you had some really powerful quotes that I think mm -hmm. you were really playing with and allowing to kind of seep into your experience. Is there anything you've mentioned Rick Rubin's the creative act. And yeah. to your point, I think we're all kind of playing with that one right now, but is, is there anything that you're sitting with, whether it's music or a quote or um, thought leaders, people, words, vibrations that are <laughs> inspiring you in this moment? Yeah. I think I actually would pull a quote from Rick Rubin's creative act. I think the nice. very first quote in there I've been sitting with really, really recently, but it's just the object isn't to make art. It's to be in that wonderful state, which makes art inevitable. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think given where I've, I've been that you've just heard when I crack that open in a library, you know, like in a bookstore, I was like, Oh, I should probably read this. <laughs> I think other than that, like I really, Honestly, like I've been in weird, long, just like long conversations with Kate, you know, for a long time. And it's so weird to like reference someone that, you know, as someone you people, other, other people should go speak to, but, or talk to, or sorry, or like read or listen to, but yeah, I think she's brilliant. And I think a lot of her podcast episodes are really spectacular and the way that she thinks is just so resonant with mine. 
I think, yeah, there's just like an alignment there that really lights me up. And I think there's just so much wisdom to be gained in what she's talking about. And yeah, so I've been sitting with just like her words and her um, friendship for a while now. Yeah, I think that's really, I think that's really it, honestly. No, that's, that's beautiful. We'll like link I said, to, has been to hard. Kate's. Well, we'll link to Kate's podcast. We'll link to the Creative Act as as I'm reading it as well. Um, it's funny because uh, on the last, I'm going to quote myself, and one of my more famous quotes is, "If you quote yourself, aren't you just talking?" But <laughs> I said it gets to be a journey, and yeah. you've mentioned the journey multiple times in this episode, and so I think I am just so grateful to be on this journey with you. And with people who are courageously sharing the fact that this journey isn't easy nor predictable and we can do our best and still fall down and it can feel like we're failing even though what we're really doing is not just surviving but seeking out that new way forward. And it takes faith. It takes belief. It's it's a constant choice that you get to go back to. Yeah. And so even if for anyone who's listening to this and they feel like all they could do was listen, like, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. You get to choose. You you always have a choice. And if that choice is like, get back in bed, like honor that. <laughs> That's probably exactly what needs to happen. And then maybe the next choice gets to be, I'll sit in the sun for a minute and see how yeah. that impacts me or check out, you know, quantum biology. But again, thank you so much. I want to make sure we get you out just in the nick of time. I uh, will link to everything. Um, I will do my best to capture all of the references in these show notes. And I look forward to the next time we get to chat. I hope it's not another 18 months. Yeah. Sooner, please. Yes. 100%. 